Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 410 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd with Joe. How we doing today, Joe? I'm ready to talk about comic book stuff with my good friend, Todd. Oh, I thought you didn't have friends. You had acquaintances, Joe. Uh, I have friends, uh, you know, um, you know, mostly I'm a well-wisher in that I don't wish you any particular <laughs> harm. Ah, okay. I was born a snake handler. I'll die a snake handler. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're off early, aren't we? Right. Mm-hmm. If we were that show, I've thought about doing this before, uh, unrelated to the show, not even a minute in, we're already off the subject. Uh, and I'm sure other people have done it before, of like, oh, the, the like, who's the greatest non-Simpsons character, right? You know, I'm sure that's been done to death. What do you mean non-Simpson, like, of the family members? Right, like, not Homer, not Bart, not Lisa, Got- not Maggie, not Marge. Gotcha. Who's the best character on the show? Mm-hmm. And I think the argument can be made for, like, Moe or Grandpa or Mr. Burns, right? And there's all good arguments out there and so forth. Doesn't Grandpa fall into a Simpson? Uh, but he's not, like, part of, like, the people who are in the couch gag. Okay, fair enough. Basis. But even if you take Grandpa out, you know, you got Moe, you got Mr. Burns, you know, there's others. Ned, you, I'm, argument can be made for Ned. I'm a crusty man myself. Right, it's an argument can be made for Krusty, right? So mm-hmm. in my mind, I wanted to somehow organize with, like, the fans of said show, the best non, like, main cast members of 30 Rock. Oh, boy. I love 30 Rock so much. Um, but anyway, uh, there's something we could discuss off air in regards to that. Okay. That reminded me of a thing that I want to talk to you about off air. But what do we got to talk about on air this week, Todd? We're very light on news, but a famous creator and his public signings and what's going to happen with them. Oh, boy. Also, we have uh, con news, free digital books and or sales. Right. What we read last week, which was Adventures of Super Sons, of the Super Sons, number one, Immortal Hulk, number four, and Captain America, number two. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, which may be the biggest slam dunk in what we're looking forward to in history on the show for you. Um, ah, also- no, there's a couple books. <laughs> there's a couple books. You never know. You never know. Oh, GD, MF, Pluto, Mickey. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, my art attack, Todd's art attack. And at the end of the show, we're doing double duty on two episodes of Cloak and Dagger, because we missed an episode last week. Right, so we're all caught up there, and then, of course, what the discussion of the future of the TV segment will be for the uh, rest of the summer, at least until Flash and or Legends of Tomorrow come back. And maybe Batwoman. Is Batwoman that quickly being fast-tracked? Batwoman is she's going to be in the crossover. Oh, it's going to be one shows. of those gimmicks. And then it will be apparently she's getting her own show. And I found this out. I know we don't do a lot of TV stuff, but I recently found this out because of CW does Monday through Friday that they're slowly expanding into Saturday and Sunday, so they need more shows. So I see a lot more um superhero shows showing up so they can also Feed the streaming monster over at DC Universe eventually. As That's I'm looking my up TV stuff. I see more stuff that could be covered on other shows that are not ours. Right. I was just throwing that out there. Sorry. Right. Show has been talk of the town. Doesn't say where she's going to show up first. But she's also uh, the woman who's playing Batwoman. Uh, Ruby Riot or Ruby Rose or whatever. <laughs> uh, apparently, she's in the Meg, which opens this weekend. I want to see that so bad. I tell you, <laughs> if the if only the elevator pitch for the movie was crank meet Sharknado, and someone's like <laughs> Howard, you've done it again. <laughs> and they just That's because two sacks of cash. 
<laughs> me with when it comes to Jason Statham, all movies are 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 you know how, were they better or worse than Crank and Crank Two, and none have met or exceeded those two movies. I don't know the one where him and The Rock are going to do a spinoff of the Fast and the Furious movies. Oof. I think that one could be the one that takes it over. Uh, Flex and his shirt explodes again. That's right. Needs more arm butter. <laughs> So, uh, again, news, it's light on news, it's light on conventions, it's like it's the summer and everyone's taking time off and staying out of trouble and not having conventions or whatever. But I guess this news bit is a little bit convention related because the uh, beginning, I guess we discussed it before on After Dark when things were kind of looking a little dire in regards to this story, right? Right, and we touched on it other times on here. Right, but the Stan Lee stuff, right? If you're a fan of comic books or pop culture or whatever it is, I'm sure you're aware of a lot of the stuff that's been going on with Stan Lee in 2018. Uh, but it was just recently announced uh, that he is going to be doing a signing at a comic shop, uh, Desert Wind Comics, I guess it's called, but it's going to be a private signing. It's not going to be a convention, I guess... Uh, this is the end of him doing any more public signings. Right. And I actually kind of looked into it the way it is. I think you're going to have to, like, send them your books. It's not going to be, like, him sitting there. Right. No meet know, and greet. Right. It's like you send your books. And you know what I found out was really interesting? That they said it has to all be flat objects. That we will not like for him. We will no longer accept anything that he has to hold, like a baseball. Even though I don't know why he would sign a baseball. My mind went like, to baseball as well, by the way. Right, just like no round, or it's just like all flat. So it's like comics or whatever. Um, so I found that interesting, and like the prices on it and everything. They have the price tier, uh, depending on like what the book is worth because of the CGI, the CGC stuff. You can get a signature series. And I was like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm kind of just like, like, does does Stan or his family really need that money? Like, I would just like to see Stan retire. Not, I want to see Stan go away. Not, I want to see Stan, like, disappear. Just, like, I think Stan has earned a rest, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. You know? Like, it just seems, it just seems like just so much. I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I really feel that way because of his year that he's had this year. Mm-hmm. But I felt this way maybe, like, two years ago. Um, I remember, no, it might, have, it might have been more than two years ago. It might have been three years ago. Because uh, I remember an interview that Stan gave where it was right, you know what? It was right after the Guardians 1 came out. Right. And uh, they'd interviewed Stan and they were asking about some of the other appearances in Marvel movies that he was going to be doing. And he said, uh, sure, I've done the appearances and this and this and Black Panther and something else. And, like, Black Panther hadn't been announced yet. So you thought he was kind of losing his mind a little? No. I felt as though whoever, and this is before the Disney purchase even, right? Mm-hmm. Whomever at Marvel Studios was like, the clock's ticking on Stan. Let's, so let's just let's bank a bunch of appearances so we got him. And he did, they did. And they did, but it was like, he publicly said it, like, because Black Panther hadn't been announced yet, whether mm -hmm. he filmed the thing for it or not, like, at that point it was confirmed that the movie was happening, but to me it was like, okay, someone has made the decision that Stan is not going to be with us much longer, we need to get as much footage of Stan on the books, so we could insert it into as many movies as possible, and it was at that time, I'm like, Stan needs to, Stan needs a rest. Mm -hmm. don't be like, it's like all right well we got six more movie cameos to film today stan it's like no let's right. stan take a nap <laughs> that's his appearance for today he got all out right. of bed he put his slippers on he read the paper then he went back to bed and, and it makes you wonder what you'll feel someday we're gonna be watching captain marvel and like Stan's gonna watch walk into the scene, and you're gonna be like, wow, like they've had this, you know, in the in in the can for a long time, and it's gonna be sad, I think, watching 
like realizing that we're watching Stan Lee posthumously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's going to be very interesting uh, <laughs> to see, but I, I'm... I, I'm with you. Does Stan and his family and his handlers and whomever really need the money this bad? Mm-hmm. And that's why when things were kind of looking dire, uh, you know, over the summer and earlier into May and so forth, and we didn't really want to discuss it that much, but, you know, it's a light news week, so there's not really much to, to talk about, unfortunately. So sorry, it's a bummer of a news segment. Yep. And one last thing. You know what I made the mistake of doing, Joe? Hmm. Reading some comments on sites about this story. Hmm. Boy, howdy, Joe. Like, how quickly it devolves into the Jack versus Stan camps. Like, oh, like, I can't believe that, you know, they're elder abuse. Uh, Stan deserves it for all the credit he took from the artist. And I'm like, oh, boy, we're here. We are here fast, son. Very fast. So I... I quickly checked out of that and walked away after being intrigued for for a little too long and then had to just like shut it all down and walk away. That's why they say, Todd, you never read the comic comments, except on our site. You could read the comments on our <laughs> posts on our website. They're they're, I t- they're pretty well maintained and uh, everyone behaves themselves. Yes, they're very groomed, unlike the hosts. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that's really all there is for news, and again, there's not a ton in conventions either. Uh, the only convention happening this weekend is Steel City Con, which is kind of trailing away from comic book stuff so much these days. Uh, you know, there's vendors, there's dealers, um, but not as many comic book professionals as there used to be back in the day. Right. Uh, just looking over their list, and it takes, even when you try to go to the artists that are going to be there, it pushes you to information about how to buy tables at Artist Alley. There there was an Artist Alley, but I didn't recognize anybody in it. Mm-hmm. And even when you look you to see like what retailers are going to be there, it's like buy dealer tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the celebrities that are going to be there, Todd... Uh, right. from the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment, Rob Van Dam, RVD, is going to be there. Mm. Uh, William Zabka, I, I apologize, uh, Sensei Lawrence is going to be <laughs> there. Hey. As well as Martin Cove, and that's a, that's a good Mark photo to get if you want that one. And don't act like you don't know who Martin Cove is. He's, uh, from... I don't know who that is. He's Crease, the, the the head guy from the original Cobra Kai. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Get oh, your mark photo with all of those guys. And then uh, we got the triple shot of uh, Tom Schneider, or uh, was it uh, John Schneider, Tom Wopat, and Catherine Bach? Well, I thought you said John Schneider might not be there. I, listen, I don't know how he got to that Australia con or whatever that was a couple <laughs> weeks ago when he was asking me put back into jail. Because of the, his alimony payments. Mm-hmm. But let me I'm, see if there's been anything new. No, he's been quiet for like the last couple weeks here, almost the last month. It looks as though... Uh, if yeah. anybody's going to this con... Oh, boy. Um, if anybody's going to this con, if they could please get me an autographed photo of Kathleen Turner of Jessica Rabbit... Oh, okay. Send one my way. I thought you were going to say it's Chandler's dad, but okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot she, she was Chandler's dad. Right. Uh, uh, John Cusack is going to be there. Oh, Cusack keeping the uh, convention tour running hot and heavy. Is his sister going to be there? No, she's not going to be at this one. Oh, but Mike Nesmith's going to be there. But he, he not his not his fake hat. Now I I say Mike Nesmith is going to be there with an asterisk. Right. Only because in the con report news that I do. Uh, I noticed that Mike Nesmith just recently, and I say recently, about a week or so ago, underwent quadruple bypass surgery. Oh. So I'm sure the next thing that he wants to do after he gets out of quadruple bypass surgery is head down to Monroeville, Pennsylvania, and sign people's hats. (laughs) And they're not even these people's real hats. 
my goodness. Let me just I'll see. just do that joke all day. I do not care. But uh, I don't know. I've heard he really likes to meet his fans, especially certain ones, you know? No, just one in particular. Oh, like, uh, that's the fan he wants to meet after, you know, quadruple bypass. Right. This is all um, as recent. The most recent update is from about two weeks ago that they knew he was going in for the surgery. They had to cancel a bunch of shows. Uh, nothing in here in regards to whether or not he had to cancel the convention. And I'm just going to say, you're really, like, burying some of the leads. Like, Chris Kattan is going to be there? Mm. Oh, my God. I'm looking. Uh, you're, you're with your coves and your Zabkas. To heck with them. We want more Tim Mathesons. Tim and Matheson's a good guy. When I look at the it. list of guests at a convention... I look for world wrestling entertainers. Mm -hmm. I look for like multiple people from a show that interest me when they get like the two or the three or the four people from mm -hmm. a show or a TV show or a movie or whatever it is, all them together. And then for you, I slum it and I try to figure out who's a doctor and who's not a doctor and who's a companion. Right. And they also have Robert Wagner, Joe, who was on heart to heart when he gets together with his wife. It's murder. Remember that show? Vaguely. Oh, I loved it. Me and my family loved Heart to Heart. It was a rich couple who, like, went around globe-trotting the world, and wherever they went, there just happened to be a murder. And they had a, they had a, like a, like a butler slash chauffeur whose name was Max, and he talked like this. And he, and they had a little frou-frou dog. Heart to Heart was the best. Who's the guy who made that show? He did a bunch of those shows from Spelling. No, not Spelling. Was it uh was it uh he did did he do the A team and stuff like that? Yeah. Glenn A Larson? Maybe. Oh, when they get together, it's murder. Like those and the Rockford Files and all those oh, sort of things. Probably. It was probably him. It was either him or Alan Aaron Spelling. They made they made billions of dollars. Right. So, hey, uh, links to that convention are over in the show notes, as are links to soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, uh, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com, uh, where you can find out all the information about all the shows in our little network conglomeration of shows, uh, whether it be episodes of this show, episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Um, I don't think my mute button is working, so I'm going to cough because I'm not feeling well. Uh, I did. Podvocacy, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Everlasting Minute. Now, Jason and David said they were having some Skype issues. And right. I remarked on the Skype issues they were having, saying that it was going to jinx us. But it jinxed us in a non-Skype way tonight. Aha. Uh -huh. And it was Aaron Spelling who did Heart to Heart, by the way. Okay. Somebody, I wish I can remember. It's not Aaron Spelling who I'm thinking of, but I'm thinking, like, Heart to Heart is, like, putting something else in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We got to move on. I know. I'm just you answer the question we bring up. That's right. what I try to do sometimes. Because you never leave an unanswered question on a on a podcast. You're just asking for trouble. Exactly. Um, Prodigal Sons podcast is back uh, on a biweekly schedule. Check it out. Um, Profane argument, of course. And anytime any of the people show up on another show somewhere else, and as long as they remind me, I'll put it up on the site. And you can check it out, uh, giving them the official stamp of approval that we feel that what they're putting out is good quality podcasting entertainment. Mm -hmm. Now, hey, also over in the show notes uh, is going to be a link. We had mentioned it last week. A longtime listener of the show, uh, ultra mega power listener of the show, Jason Sandberg, has his own self-published comic out called Jupiter that you can go purchase over at Comixology, and we have the link to that over in the show notes as well, uh, as well as some of the other uh, digital sales and freebies going on this week. Uh, Marvel is having a sale on Jeff Loeb-related stuff. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on Predator books. Uh, Oni's having a uh, sale on every graphic novel that they have. Monkey Brain is having a sale on stuff. I recommend checking that out. There's a book in there uh, by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover that's called Bandette. That's one of the most fun books uh, that I currently read. And that's one of those books, uh, the, one of the few remaining books that I double dip on because they do the digital version and then they do like a nice fancy hardcover when they get like however much fills up a hardcover. 
Uh, Udon is having a sale on Street Fighter-related stuff. Titan is having a sale on something called Hard Case Crime Books. And Vertigo is having a sale on everything. Wonder why. And this, well, it's their it's their anniversary of some kind, Todd. Right. I wonder if they have any other like new books coming out this week. But anyway. Hmm. Now I will say this: uh, two weeks in a row, DC is having a sale, and Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One is not in it. It's because they're pushing the Vertigo stuff. I just hope nobody loses their job over this. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's everything. And there's so much good stuff over the years. And everything's in here. Why the Last Man? Scalped. Fables. Sandman. Preacher. Uh, Transmetropolitan. When are they going to have the Helix sale? Anyway. Huh. Uh, DMZ. 100 Bullets. Everything. It's all good stuff. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, so the... Freebies this week, same as last week. I checked to make sure that they didn't uh, button hook me like they've been known to do in the past. Uh, Spider Girl, the original holdover from the M2 spinoff from the late 90s, early 2000s. Last Defenders, Uncanny X-Men rebranded from the 60s, and Uncanny X-Men from like two years ago. All that's in the show notes. Uh, so Todd, let's get into books that we read from this past week. Okay, I'm going to start with The Adventures of the Super Sons, which was the book I was looking forward to the most, um, which is written by Tomasi, Peter J. Tomasi, and uh, drawn by Carlo Barberi. I'm hoping I nailed that. Um, basically, this is the follow-up to the, the Super Sons series. Um, if you read the Super Sons series, there's even a thing where their headquarters got busted up. And they have, in this, they have to fix it. But this starts out with Superboy and Robin, Damien, uh, fighting. Do you know the big Metropolis Superman statue? That's the famous one with the eagle on his arm, like the bronze-looking one that they always use. Um, that's come to life, and it's fighting Superboy and Damien. We find out who, who's controlling it. At one point, Damien gets control of the statue, and because Superboy annoys him because he's so happy-go-lucky, he maybe likes the idea of uh, the, a Superman statue just kind of just accidentally stepping on Superboy. Um, and then, like, Superboy, like, yeah, maybe you did that on purpose. And it's it's kind of fun. Um, and we find out that someone is coming from space to attack the, uh, the, the two, the Super Sons. And we find out it's the gang who consists of, uh, Rex Luthor, not Lex, like little kids, um, the Shaggy Boy, uh, I'm trying to think of who some of the other ones, the Shaggy Boy, Joker Jr., uh, Kid Deadshot, Brainiac 6, and the Ice Princess. And even in that, we find out he's like, well, you may be asking why you're getting attacked by these kid versions of your greatest villains. And they explain it, and it's kind of cool. Um, and I like the dynamic between Superboy and Damien. It's, it's one of those groups that I like when you see iconic characters that you think of in twos, like maybe like, you know, uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, I'm trying to think of like fun characters like uh, Beast and Wonder Man from the old Avengers stuff. Um, you know, Nightcrawler and Wolverine and the X-Men, just fun characters. These are that to me. These are two characters that no matter how much they antagonize each other, you could tell that they still like each other, even though Damon's a, Damon's a bit of a jerk. This book is so fun, and I wish I pushed Super Sons harder when it was out. I really didn't, but it was a book that I loved just under the radar so much. And I really think if you're looking for a fun book with charismatic, like you know, young characters, this is the book for you. You can give it to kids. You can, as an adult, you can still read it. It covers all the bases. So I read this at your recommendation, so we could discuss this on the show. Oh, I forgot that. I'm sorry. I thought you didn't read. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Um, so this, I guess, takes place in the little window in between, uh, be, you know, Bendis taking over the book mm -hmm. of the Superman book, right? right? This is the summer of super as, uh, John calls it during the course of the book. Mm -hmm. And yes, I do like the back and forth between Damien and John. 
uh, which is what I will call them. Now, I didn't notice that, I didn't notice until I just looked at the notes now that this is just going to be a 12-issue miniseries. Right. Which I think is a bit of a disservice, I guess. This might be the biggest casualty of whatever's going on in the main Superman books now that Bendis has taken over and all the stuff that's been going on in the Tom King Batman books. Because this is a fun book that I wish DC was doing a better job, as you mentioned, marketing to kids. Now, yes, mm-hmm. of course, they'll always say, and I say they, the royal they, whether it be publishers, whether it be other fans, it's like, well, kids don't want to read the kid versions of Batman and Superman. They want to read Batman and Superman. But they'll read the kid versions of Batman and Superman if the book's actually good and marketed to them. And adults will, too. And if it's good, then you're going to get double the audience that you would normally get. Mm -hmm. And then I read the description of this book, right? It is off DC's website. (laughs) It's an epic dual storyline that transcends current events as Superboy and Robin find themselves targets of an interstellar team of young badasses called the gang. Ooh, they added the asses? Hmm. Yeah. I think you could just take out an interstellar team called The Gang, and you got yourself a great book. Because I tell you, I didn't know anything going about... uh, Has these characters, The Gang, shown up in this book previously? Not in the original Super Sons run. Okay. I turn to that page, and I see the reveal of essentially the Legion of Young Evil. Mm Mm-hmm. And I marked out. (laughs) I marked out for Ice Princess... I marked out for Shaggy Boy, Brainiac 6, the whole thing. I'm like, I love the designs. I love that there's the young counterparts. Everything about this is great. I wish this was marketed better. I agree. And I'm worried about the fallout of the whole rumors that they might be aging up John for the Superman books. Because he's been out in space. Like, when he comes back, maybe he's older. I'm like, please don't do that because... I like the idea of uh, John and Damien being young, you know, young kids and doing their thing. And I just love, like I said, how John is so optimistic and antagonizes Damien. And Damien just hates his optimism. Like, please stop calling it the, the summer of super. Just please. And he's like, and he just keeps doing it. I really think, you know, you are the Damien of the show, Joe. <laughs> And I am the John. I love that dynamic. And I think that's, you know, this book should just please, if you get a chance, give it a try. I think you'll really like it. Not you, the royal. Right, the royal me. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that they lay the groundwork for in this. Um, You know, them at school together, them getting invited to the pool party. There's so many great things that they could expand on in this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish this wasn't a 12-issue miniseries. Um, and it makes me sad for not having picked up the book myself. Mm-hmm. I think we did discuss the annual when it came out, and you enjoyed that with That's the Super true. Pets. That is good. But like I said, and if you can find the trades cheap or the issues, I highly recommend if you enjoy this, this is just like what the original Super Sons book was like. Right. So it's not much of a, you know, if you like the original, get this one because you're still going to love it. The arts are like are obviously a little different. But if you, and if you like, find you do like this and you want to go back, read those Super Sons and you're good to go. And that's the thing, I have so much backlog, but this is something that I'd be like, I would enjoy reading. It was a quick, it was a light, it was an easy, fun read. Uh, and, and I, I'll hop on your recommendation with this. And I'm also, like, sometimes when I'm doing this, I know you have such a backlog. When I say you, like I always say, I mean the royal news, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because we're, you know, we're supposed to pretend we're talking to each other, but other people are listening to this. That's true. Uh, so my book, I was looking forward to. Uh, was Immortal Hulk number four, written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. A little less of a Hulk, more of a focus on the Sasquatch from Alpha Flight. We get a little bit more, I guess, more than I've ever read. I'm not a big Alpha Flight guy. I can count in the books that featured Sasquatch prominently. Uh, 
on one hand and still have a couple fingers left over to pick the pickles off of a hot dog. <laughs> uh, stealing that from a semi-great mind. But uh, I guess I was unaware of how closely tied together his origin was with that of uh, Bruce Banner's. Unless it's been retconned. I don't know. Right. And if this is the new... Uh, the new status quo for Walter Langowski, Sasquatch going forward, and this is how we're going to make him a main character in this book, that's fine. This was the weakest of the four issues, still a very good issue, but I think the reason that it was the weakest was because it was less Banner-focused and more not Banner and Hulk-focused. Right. Still enjoyed it, still recommend the book, I'm still here for the ride because those first three issues were so strong. And if this is just like a little detour information about like what this next story is going to be, because there is the overarching story of the reporter who's tracking down Bruce Banner. And all the gamma characters that are seemingly popping up for no reason. Right. And I knew that Sasquatch had his powers from gamma radiation. Like I said, I just didn't know how closely it was tied to the Hulk. You bring this in together. I'm looking forward to see what happens next month because now it appears, and I don't think this is a spoiler, that we're back to the old way of thinking that the Hulk would become the Hulk, not so much when he got mad, but when it became night, and it appears as though it's happening to more and more gamma-irradiated folks. Right, but that was, with the Hulk, that was established back in issue one. Right, but that, that, no, but that's what I'm saying is that was established for him back in issue one. Okay, that's not the way that it's been for a long time. Right, that was how he originally. That was actually the first couple issues. Right, but again, with the new run, the Al Ewing run, we're back to Hulk becoming the Hulk at night. Now more and more Gamma folks are becoming whatever they become at night, and obviously this is the thing I would assume we're going to focus on. What Banner, I'm sure. The reporter, I'm sure, and now Sasquatch, I'm sure, once he gets his situation taken care of, that they're all going to attempt to figure out why. Right. And maybe that's our mystery that's behind the scenes of everything the Hulk has been doing over the last several issues. Right. And my thing with it is now you kind of know how I felt with Venom last week. Yes. Where it was like... You know, I've never really understood, like, the Venom origin other than Secret Wars, where you're like, oh, like, all this stuff is explaining Langstrom. I don't know if it's in continuity, out of continuity. Um, I just have to take your word for it. And I'm the kind of less this way with uh, sat with the Squatch because I knew a little bit more about him but didn't know his origin. But I'm with you. I, I thought this was probably the weakest of the issues, like you said, because there wasn't a lot of Hulk. There was a lot of backstory about Banner. You saw him in college and how he felt and how he was always angry and blah, blah, blah. So so I like that. The only thing that I really liked like that, that saved this book for me to make it like really up there, it, not that it needed to be saved, was – that the Langstrom reveal, like you said, that it's coming to be linked to the Hulk and everything. And I think we have one more issue, maybe five and then six. That's where, you know, that'll be enough for the trade, the first story. I think we're going to get a cliffhanger answer next month and then all the a reveal and then all the, like, how we answer it in issue six, as they often do in six-part storylines. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm really enjoying this book. Right, now the other book that we're going to discuss is one that you would actually requested that we talk about, uh, which is Captain America number two, uh, written by uh, Tennessee Coates, and writ, uh, with art by, uh, Francis, or uh, Linnell Francis Yu, Francis Linnell Yu. Was it, didn't it used to be Francis Linnell Yu, and now it's Linnell Francis Yu? You know what? I think you're right. Right. I remember when he did the, you know, most notably the birthright story arc with, uh, Mark Wade on Superman all that time ago. It was switched. But either way, hanging up on those things, I'm just happy that I pronounced uh, Tennessee right. I know it's not spelled that way, but that's how I've been informed it's pronounced. Well, you know what they say, Tennessean is believing. Nope. Okay. So what was your reason for talking about this this week? Um, I really like, I think this issue did a way better job with Cap and Steve of the crushing feelings that he's having for the Supreme Leader and what he did to his name and his, uh, you know, his legacy and everything like that and how he's going out and he's just, 
he's just taking on everything. The the uh, the nuke guys, the nuke gang, or whatever they are they're called now. The terrorists with uh, the flags <laughs> tattooed on their face. What? It's them nuke boys. <laughs> them nuke boys. General Thunderbolt Ross shows up. Them nuke boys about it again. <laughs> oh God! With uh with Sheriff Carter. <laughs> Oh my god. Riding around with the General Lee with the big American flag in the top instead of the oh. Dixie flag. Oh my the General Grant. I just <laughs> I would watch I would watch that show. The the horn plays America the Beautiful. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. But uh don't die on me, Joe. Uh, but yes, that and then my like mute button's he, not working. Sorry. I know. I'm just saying. And how like General, uh, like Thunderbolt Ross, even though he's not, he even says I'm not Thunderbolt anymore. Um, comes in. He's like, you have to stop. People don't trust you. And the thing that was, I was like, all oh, this is really good. But the best part of this book is, and I'm getting goosebumps, is when he sees Sharon and they end up having the conversation. He's like, do you like you? you believe in me kind of a thing. She's like, why would like kind of every, you know, like why would you even be like that? But one of my favorite things is like, what and she's telling me, but you do have to stop. And he's like, what would, what would you have me do? And he turns away from her and she's like, I'd have you look at me. And he turns around. He's like, there was that so hard. And he looks at her and he just says, best part of my day. And like in that four panels is more like emotion than you get in like, small runs of a comic between Steve and Sharon. And I'm like, this is so beautiful. It looks beautiful. It tugs at the heartstrings. And whether or not he has to sit down and, you know, relax, but Steve ain't going to take it sitting down. And he's put together, you know, a a group or people to help him. And you kind of get what he's going to be going after now. I don't know. I think... Issue one, like I said, was a bit padded. I feel like it's really hit the groove with emotion and the Steve that I love. And I'm not beat over the head with politics. This is the perfect cap that I've been looking for, and I've got it. The politics in this book are the politics of this book. That's a great way of putting it. Right. Now, politics shaped what this book has been over the last two years, Mm -hmm. but... Instead of bringing more of that in, we're just dealing with what it is now instead of adding to the pile. Yes, instead of pouring more gas on it, it's it's trying to it's trying to see how people would react to what has happened. Yes, and not and the other thing is I, I don't want to get political here, but it's when it's like everything that you fight is an allegory or a, a a representation of a real life group and what their politics are. And I'm like, my God, I get that in my everyday life constantly in my social media and in like sitting in a coffee shop just hearing other people. This is. You know, a little bit of that, but I don't know. There's some honor here. I don't know how to explain it. I like this book way more than I thought it was. Right, and I, I kind of, I don't want to say that I came into this book with low expectations. I kind of came into the book with no expectations. Uh, right. I'd never read anything by Coates before. I'd heard good things, and I'd heard bad things about his run on Black Panther. I'm a, Captain America is one of those characters... That I'm a sucker for. I'm always going to try Captain America, uh, Hawkeye, people like that. I'm always going to try, unless it's like some person who I've sampled their work before and I'm not a fan for a ver- variety of reasons, but Captain America's always going to get at least two issues. And these right. two issues have been really, really strong. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I picked this book. Yes, as am I. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out, have enough bags and backs ready to go, or if you're a heathen and don't bag and back your books and you just throw them on your floor, that's your prerogative. That is your prerogative. You're going to do what you want to do. 
Uh, the two things that Todd and I are doing in the calendar year 2018 is, one, we're keeping that running dollar tally of how much we've spent out of comics over the over this year. And then, two, the other thing that we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I have a commanding lead over Todd with five correct guesses. I refuse to believe that he's purposely throwing this. We'll see this week if he really is purposely throwing it when looking at the books and guessing what I'm most looking forward to coming out this week. So I went first, so I guess first? Yes. Okay, I have one question before we go any further, Joe. Yes. What's Fantastic Four number one? Fantastic Four number one? Uh, <laughs> yes. It's about these four guys. Uh, you know, guy lights up like a torch and call him the human torch. You know, the mm-hmm. guy's a rock-like thing of a man. I would call you the thing. Uh, another person is invisible. <laughs> Uh, and she's a woman, so I would call her Invisible Woman. <laughs> and another man, he can stretch himself like a rubber band. And whenever he does it, people always say that's a fantastic power. So, of course, he should be Mr. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, that's good. Is the book you're looking forward to most Fantastic Four number one? It is Fantastic Four number one. Uh, and I think Fantastic Four number one is also the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. Uh, it's not. It's Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps 50. It's the end of the... Of course it's Fantastic Four number one. And now, see, that's the thing. Uh, you know, you could make the argument Hal Jordan, uh, Green Lantern Corps 50, you know, it's the end of the run, as you mentioned. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man's been really good. Uh, really like that first issue of Catwoman, second issue of Catwoman, I'm sure it'll be very enjoyable. And then, of course, Sandman Universe number one is coming out this week. Mm-hmm. There, as as much as there's heavy hitters on this list, I tell you, man, Fantastic Four is back. I'm excited. I, that that was it. I was like, you will, it would. It, I God only knows what it would take to bounce Fantastic Four number one coming back. <sighs> I I don't know. It would probably have to be a Jason Aaron Jar Jar Binks book. Jason Aaron Jar Jar Binks book or uh, Brubaker doing Gotham Central again. You know what? I would still pick Fantastic Four. Uh, maybe Joe Kelly Deadpool. Mm. Nope. All right. Maybe Jason Aaron uh, Diodato doing Jonah Hex. Okay. That might that might swing me into that. You know, because I've seen like uh, Slot do a, a Fantastic Four story, but I've never seen Jason Aaron and Diodato do a Jonah Hex story. So yeah, next week we'll be talking Fantastic Four. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Sandman Universe, as well as a few other things as well. Mm-hmm. And while you're over at LongboxHeroes.com, be sure to check things out. Uh, of everything that Todd and I have done together with comic books exists over there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, past editions of The Pull Post, the 2017 Smash Spectacular, Todd and Joe Have Issues, and of course our store, where you can purchase shirts, stickers, and pins with our fancy logos on them. We actually had a couple purchases in person of our shirts this past week. We do thank you very much for those. And uh, if you don't want shirts, you don't want stickers, you don't want pins, of course, anything else to your heart's content, you could purchase over at our Amazon click-through across the top of the page. Charges you nothing extra. gives us a little bit of extra on the back end of any notable purchases that you make or any purchase that you make. Some of the notable purchases over the last week, Todd. Someone purchased the graphic novel IDW collection Godzilla Rulers of Earth. Someone also purchased... Diamond Naturals All Life Stages Real Meat Recipe Dry Dog <laughs> Food. Okay. And these two items together, Todd, bum me out and fill me with so many questions. Someone purchased a Texas Instruments TI-83 graphing calculator and the case for said graphing calculator. Now, that means it's back to school time, of course. But I have nightmares, Todd, of graphing calculators. I have no idea what a graphing calculator is. Oh, my goodness. See, you're a little bit older than I am. Toward my later years in high school when we were doing uh, geometry and, you know, angles and all this other nonsense, in school we had graphing calculators where we had to input equations on it. It was a bunch of nonsense. The school provided them for us. This poor person has to purchase one for their daily use. One, that stinks. 
Two, I'm glad you purchased it through us. And three, <laughs> doesn't your phone just do everything now? Why do you need a separate thing to do graphing on? And why are they still making you do graphing? Well, can I ask, can I, can I answer, uh, do you want an a- honest answer or do you just want to leave that out there as the joke? I'd li- well, I would like the person who purchased them to answer these questions, but I would also, if you know the answer, I would like the answer. Because if you have a phone, you can Google answers just straight up. Right. Where you could be like, hey, Google, what's the answer to this question? Where they may make you put your phones away during tests. Oh, boy. And say you have to do it without, like, you know... Do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. So maybe that's the reason they have to buy a calculator. It's like phones locked away during tests, so you can't cheat by getting some the answer off of somebody else. You have to do it yourself on your gonculator. I know uh, in, our, in my senior year, uh, we were... We had heard that there was a program that you could put in a formula on the graphing calculator. I'm sure in today's world of DuckDuckGoes and all sorts of other <laughs> search engines, you could find the formula very easily. But in 1995, it was a little t- more tough to come by. That There was a formula that you could put in on the graphic calculator that you could program it to play Tetris. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. We were never able to get it to work right, though. I think we had, like, the TI-81s, and you needed the newer models to do it. Uh, See, I want to know, just in the click-through, why somebody bought a trade of Godzilla fighting measuring sticks of the planet Earth. Oh, boy. Because it's Godzilla and the rulers of Earth. I just That sounds boring, man. Just really boring. No? Yes? Maybe it's the combination of the graphing calculator. (sighs) With the uh, Godzilla book. That would be fantastic. So, Todd. Yes? Do we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we do. We have one from Team Hellions. I think he drew it himself. He was talking about how Spider-Gwen is now Ghost Spider, which is, I think, a terrible name, but that's between me and you. Who's going to think up names for our spider characters? Her? How about Ghost Mutt? (laughs) <laughs> so he decided if if ghost if spider gwen is ghost spider now does that mean gwenpool is ghost pool and he drew a, a picture of like ghosts swimming in a pool and one sunbathing and it's very nice i actually really laughed at that because that's right up my alley for a sense of humor joe for I, the two things i like most about this is mm-hmm. one the tasteful tops that the lady ghosts are wearing <laughs> oh sure and two, the fact that he did it in pencil first and then did it in inks. That's right. I like the playful splashing of the ghosts. <laughs> that is what I always like. Moist ghosts is the way to go. Um, and also from, you know, mega contributor Euronymous. He's taking a break from the Lapham art that he's always dropping in, but he did get a, uh, he bought brain candy from a friend, a local artist named Lydia Burris, free doodle. And anytime you pay the big squadoosh for uh, art, I'm a big fan of that. That's very nice. Um, also, Thunderbolt 712 or 712 sent in a Mike McCone Fantastic Four page. I wonder why. I wonder. Oh, it says here that Fantastic <laughs> Four is coming up. Um, but it has Ben and Johnny on it. And I agree with uh, Thunderbolt here that Mike McCone's run of Fantastic Four is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The only thing that I think Mike McCone might have topped a, with a little bit is his run on Teen Titans. But it's 1-1-A one, one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, just to interrupt you, I love the way when McCone draws the thing, it's like the top of his head is almost like a hat or a helmet that he's wearing. Oh, It looks like it's a hat. piece that you could take off. It's a, it's a CW wig. There you go. <laughs> And uh, somebody else had a had a art attack, and I think it was me. It was a thing page 
from that Dan Slot run, who's also writing a book coming up. I can't think of what it. Oh, that's right, Fantastic Four, and it's a thing in Murder World with all the versions of his robots of the versions of the thing, like the the pineapple thing, the pirate thing, the helmet when his face was scarred, the you know the not truly rocky first couple issues of Fantastic Four thing versus all the versions of the Hulk, like Joe Fix It and the Green Hulk and everything and Maestro. Um, and my favorite part about it is if you, if you enlarge it, there's just like a, a picture of the actual thing. Like, what the heck is going on out here? Like, there should, like, that's what I loved about Dan Slott's run of the thing. He, he looked naturally confused in most of the pages. And, uh, I ended up picking, I got lucked out. Uh, somebody offered me, uh, to my pick of certain pages, and that was the one I had to go to because, Basically, I just I'm a big fan of pineapple thing. Yes, and there's two shots of pineapple thing. You had actually showed me that page uh, when we saw each other over the weekend at Knobles. More on our trip uh, there on After Dark this week. But the the faces on this page are so awesome. Such mm-hmm. a beautiful page, and it's rare that you get, uh, as my people say, such a deal. On such a beautiful page with so many close-ups of faces, right? And who cares if they're robots? They're real things to me, Joe. That's right. Hanging on your wall, nobody's going to ask if those are robots. <laughs> That's true. So thanks to everyone who contributed to uh, Todd's Art Attack this week. As he had mentioned, whether you purchased pages, whether you got some sketches, whether you got a doodle, or whether you did something yourself. Tag us, Todd's Art Attack, and we'll make sure to share your stuff with the rest of the world. And I'll try to be a little bit more proactive. I've been trying to tool back my social media interactions uh, lately just because, uh, I don't know, Twitter gets rough out there sometimes. Wear a poncho. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Put a helmet on. Take things head off from the Mike McCone art and wear that on top of your own head. Oh, I love that. Remember when he was scarred just like I am inside? When Wolverine cut his face, right? That was along the lines. That's one of the classic Hulk issues. The the uh, honeymoon when they put lemon the, wedges in his eyes. The bachelor party. Best. Yes, the bachelor party. One of my favorite issues of all time. I was actually going to mention that you beat me to it, but yes, the, it, like it's like oh, they put lemon wedges in my helmet. I don't know how to take those out. <laughs> yep, he's so drunk. They were singing Surface Safari while standing on Silver Surfer surfboard. Oh, good times, good times. Boy, the Hulk had a lot of good issues. I wonder why. It was a certain writer for 14 years. Yes. So I think that is uh, one last bit before we get to TV talk. Is that it? I think that's everything. All right, so TV talk. The last two episodes of Cloak and Dagger. So we get... uh, so. Episode 9 was The Fall, and 10, I guess, was The Rise. Mm-hmm. End of Episode 8, we get the revelation of Tandy's father may not have been as good as a guy as everyone else thought that, she, that he was. And we get Tyrone finally getting that cop. Uh, what's his... I keep forgetting his name on the show. Uh, Connors. Mm-hmm. Getting him... But, of course, uh, there's repercussions there, of course. So, episode 9, Tandy is going back to her old ways. Tyrone is up because he thinks now that they've got the goods on the cop, everything's going to be fine. But then he's finding out that his parents don't care as much as they he thought they would. So, now he's starting to slip back into his possible old ways. And we get the narration through the course of the show where Tyrone's not in school, but the 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 priest who's teaching the class is doing a narration about the classic hero's journey, which you're seeing two ends of it with both Tandy and Tyrone. Mm-hmm. How a story's constructed, which right. I thought was a very good you know tool throughout the episode. I really like that, and we got to see Tandy starting to go back to her old addict ways, yes. but not on drugs, but on the hopes of people. She was getting high on them somehow. 
and stealing them. And I thought that was a very interesting take on it. And I also thought, like you said, the, uh, the, the parents not, not, not caring that they just, I almost believe that they didn't believe that things were going to cut, like it was going to all fall apart. You know what I mean? And it kind of does because when it comes to Tyrone, um, the cop, the uh, Connors gets out and he goes, uh, you know, after the, the, the female cop, I forget her. I forget all their names. I'm, I'm getting old. Um, but be, they're in the cop bar and he kicks the heck out of her. And it's just like interesting that, you know, he, they end up going after Tyrone and Tyrone's on the run now because they think he's, you know, a, a murderer for uh, something. And it's just, it, I, I like the second to last episode, but, uh, I really like, you know, where it leads into the final episode. Right. So we get to the final episode at the end of episode nine. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what's her name? The, uh, the cop. No, no. Uh, Mina goes to where one of those pipes are mm-hmm. that Roxanne oh, yeah. has. Because the pressure is too much and they're saying you got to show up because whatever you did isn't working. She shows up and the pipe bursts and whatever's in those pipes comes out. And just from a few episodes ago when Tandy and Tyrone went inside Mina's father's head and they relived what he saw on the uh, on the right. barge over right. and over yeah. and over again with the people becoming the terrors. Now the terrors are real on the streets of New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Yes. And if that's not a perfect distraction for uh, the cop to put an end to Tyrone and to put an end to uh, the O'Reilly, the the detective from New York, to kind of wrap up his whole story arc, of course, the terrors now invade into the police station. The only small problem I had with it, it was it seemed like Mardi Gras was an afterthought. Like, you live in New Orleans. I'm surprised Mardi Gras didn't come up in the last episode. Like, do you know what I mean? It just kind of snuck up on. Like, there should have been at least one or two episodes prior where someone just mentions, like, oh, Mardi Gras right around the corner. Yeah, it just seemed like it was like, oh, yeah, of course it's Mardi Gras. We're in New Orleans. It's like a matter-of-fact kind of thing. I don't know if maybe they mentioned it was, like, near... Uh, Easter or Lent or whatever, maybe they did, but I don't remember it. So when it was like all of a sudden you have the uh, Mardi Gras as the cover, I'm like, oh, that's convenient to just throw out there. That's the only small problem I had with the episode. Uh, But other than that, we finally get Tandy and Tyrone working together. Neither one of them are in costumes, even though I think in the previous uh, episode, in episode nine, when Tandy looks in that one window that has the cross on it, Mm-hmm. I think she's getting inspired of what her costume is going to be. Yep. Uh, Tyrone's cloak that he got from his dad gets ripped to shreds by terrors because he really can't activate the teleport to that extent unless he's in grave danger. So he puts himself into a situation where he lures the terrors away, but they all rip the cloak shreds. But Tandy still has the jacket that Tyrone was wearing when they first met eight years ago. And that's the new cloak that he has. And uh, together they touch, they use their powers to expel whatever that is coming out of the pipe that's in the people, out of all the people, and save New Orleans, but nobody knows it was them. Right. And in that, uh, with the new cloak, he and Tyrone ends up absorbing the, the Connors, the O'Connors, the cop? Uh Yes. And taking him inside, like inside the, the darkness that is him, which I've seen in the comic, and I think we're going to get, you know, some more information on it. And uh, the, uh, the the female cop Riley, I think, uh, she ends up getting uh, the the terror, like touched by one of the terrors, and she gets shot by uh, O'Connor's and falls into the water. And she at the end pops up as this like disheveled character which looks like what we're going to lead into for season two um but it looks like i'm wondering if if we're going to find out if tyrone gets off or if he's still going to be on the run for season two you know what i mean for the for the murders that he's been framed well he's certainly in hiding right 
And I wonder if like Tandy being with them now, that's going to be their storyline is they have to be on the move. Right. So I think it already got announced that I got picked up for a second season. Yes. Yes, it did. Okay. So a couple things as we're kind of working backward with this, uh, O'Reilly is actually, and has been a villain in the Marvel universe comics. I didn't know that. She has been one of five random people who got turned into symbiotes. During Planet of the Symbiotes back in, like, the late 90s. Okay. I don't think she has a Venom symbiote in this, but I'm sure she'll do something similar. I'll be honest, with, when I, I I wasn't hoping that it was her, but I was hoping when they showed the swamps and it was New Orleans that we were going to get a tease for Man-Thing at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Which would have been great. Um, I'm both sad and happy that we did not get Tandy and Tyrone in their costumes together because it would have been cheesy for them to end on the last shot of them together in their superhero costumes doing a pose for the camera and then roll credits superhero landing (laughs) right but I would have liked to have seen them in their costumes together at some point but that's okay now this is what we have to look forward to for season two until three weeks before season two comes out they spoil it in a press release and I see it before the show airs Okay, I'm going to spoil it for you now. No, um, I think that, that that the cloak is just going to be his brother's hoodie from here on out. Right, but what's she going to wear? Um, I think she's just going to wear a lot of tight white tank tops. All right, I'm listening. <laughs> and jeans. That seems to be, I honestly think they're not going to do much. It's just going to be a lot of white for Tandy and just the, the cloak for Tyrone. And that's it. They're not going to do costumes. Maybe they might do a little tweak for Tandy. I I don't know, but I don't see any more. I kind of figured. I was hoping that the cloak that he that his, that his brother made was going to stay, but when that got destroyed, and even when I found out that Tandy had the the stole the hoodie during the when they were kids during the crash, I was like, I'm ninety percent sure that's going to end up being the the cloak. In cloak and dagger, just right? Because you know the Chekhov's gun. You know what I mean? It's it's there for something, and they they pretty much did. So I don't see we're gonna get much change. I don't think they want him to have costumes. You know you know what I mean? Yes. That they could blend in as heroes as is in white and black. Uh, but overall, I guess, what did you think of the series? What did you think of the show? What do you think of, uh, of all of it? I guess. I would say this is like my third favorite Marvel Netflix show. Okay. Honestly, I'll joking aside, I know it's not a Netflix show. It fits right in. And they even mentioned the Starks and the Rands at one point in the episode. Yep, yep. With uh, what's-his-face from Roxanne, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like it. I like. I don't like it as much as the first season of Jessica Jones. I like that first season of Daredevil. Um, I'm trying to think. I like this Daredevil season two was a little weird in the beginning, but by the end when you got the Punisher, I, I, I kind of really enjoyed it. Um, but it's up there. It's, you know, I like it. I liked it better than I did Iron Fist and Luke, the first season of Luke Cage. Um, but I really like this show a lot. I like the feel of it, the look of it, the, the story, everything. Right. I, I have not seen all of the, um, Marvel Netflix stuff, you know, I saw bits and pieces of Daredevil Season 1, bits and pieces of Daredevil, or Punisher Season 2? Was it two seasons of the Punisher? No, one season of the Punisher. So bits and pieces of Season 1 of Punisher, bits and pieces of Defenders, bits and pieces of Season 1 of Luke Cage. Um, I would watch Cloak and Dagger again. I would put it right below Jessica Jones Season 1, which was fantastic. All right, I would die now that you said the Punisher because I completely forgot about it. It's season one of Daredevil, season one of Jessica Jones, not in that order. And Punisher one, definite season one, definitely all before uh, Cloak and Dagger. But then it's Cloak and Dagger. Gotcha. So until the Flash comes back, and let's see when that happens here. I'm gonna guess that's sometime around September, New Yorkish time, Comic Con. I mean, let's see. Got to avoid trailers. Uh, October 9th is when it returns. That's like a few days after New York Comic Con. There you go. I didn't know when New York Comic Con was. So it's it's two months away. What can we talk about for TV for the next couple weeks? I know we discussed you saying Outcast Season 2. Yes, there was an Outcast Season 2 Santa Claus. 
or Virginia or somebody. Oh, and I'm looking here. It started like three weeks ago. Like episode four is already on this week. I don't know if I want to jump into that in the middle of it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what just came out, though, Joe? Or is it coming come out, out or is it coming soon? I think. It's com- coming out. I, I misspoke. Is that new Matt Groening show, or however you say his name, the Simpsons creator, Disenchantment? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. The new Netflix deal that he's doing with like all the like good season seven and season eight writers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I said it. Listen. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we could do that. I don't know. Like, we have to figure out because that's going to drop. Because I know Netflix does is doing occasionally, mm-hmm. dropping a weekly. Like, they were doing that with uh, the Joe McHale show. But uh, do you know if they're doing Disenchantment all at once or if they're parceling it out? Because they're starting to try that. As is my understanding, it debuts next Friday. It's ten episodes all at once. Okay. So I think no TV next week, no TV talk next week. The following week, we'll pick up with whatever of Disenchanted, Disenchantment, uh, the new Matt Groening show on Netflix is. We'll talk about that until, you know, even if we have to do an episode a week just to fill time until The Flash comes back. Right, that sounds like a plan. But who knows? I might dive into it and have free time and binge the whole thing. Or we might dive into it, and it's terrible, and we check out. That's true. That could happen as well. Right. You never know. You never know these things. Exactly. All right. So I think that covers everything. I'm surprised my voice stood the test of this, and I only coughed off mic twice. I was counting the off-cough mic stuff. That was two. So, yeah, I think you're good. And, uh... I guess closing out episode 410 of Longbox Heroes for Todd, this is Joe. Saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo!